Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone in the United States and around the world. This is Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. This program is for those who believe that Yeshua or Jesus did not nail the law which is the instructions of God, which is uh, translated law (coughs) in the New Testament and also in the Old Testament, should be translated Torah or instructions of God. Uh, Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. This is in the King James Version of the Bible. Think not that I am come, think not that I am come to destroy the law, which is the instructions, or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Fulfill means to fully preach in the original Greek. Now, what most ministers preach in the United States and around the world is the following. Think not that I have come to destroy the law, or the instructions, or the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to nail the law or the instructions of God to the cross, which does not make any sense whatsoever, ladies and gentlemen. If you look up the word fulfill, the word fulfill in the Greek means playroo, or P-L-A-Y-R-O-O. It means to make replete, to level up, to satisfy, execute, finish, complete, fully preach so as I've explained in the Bible study that I gave that's listed in the archives the Torah or the instructions of the Messiah that's what the apostolic scriptures or the New Testament is is the instructions of the Messiah it is a part of the instructions of God so that's something that you need to understand for you to fully understand the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, in John chapter 12, verse 49, it says, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting, whatsoever I speak therefore, even as, as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So all the words that the Messiah spoke on the earth, which his disciples, the, the 12 apostles, that's what they became eventually, were witnesses of. And he commanded them the following in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Yeshua, or Jesus, came and spoke unto them, his disciples, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Again, let me underscore and emphasize this. He says, all power, and that means all power, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. In verse verse, uh, 19 of Matthew chapter 28, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, not just Israel, but all nations, baptizing them or immersing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, verse 20, teaching them to observe 
all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All things, not some things, all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So that's a very important statement there because many people say, well, he just meant that for that time. No, he said even until the end of the world, even until the 21st century because the 21st century uh, more than likely is going to be the end of the world, folks, uh, the end of the way we're living. The whole world's not going to blow up. It's just that the way society is living is going to end sometime here in the 21st century. I don't know what year or what day or what date, but certainly even scientists are saying that uh, we just don't have that much time left because we're using too much resources. Uh, the rich is ruling over the poor as prophesied and is causing a lot of death around the world. Uh, 26,000 children will die today because of a lack of food. Uh, you divide 3,000 into 20, 26,000, and that is um, that's 8 September 11th. So 8 September 11th happened each and every day around the world, ladies and gentlemen. And it's because of a, a, a we, we have enough food. It's just that <clears throat> the food supply is being robbed by the rich, the rich have an overabundance of food. Uh, we waste a lot of food every year. Maybe I'll, well, I will eventually have that statistic, but I know that we waste a lot of food uh, worldwide, in particular in the, in the United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations and and the countries of Northwestern Europe and Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Uh, those regions I just named have the most blessings on the earth agricultural wise and, and 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 really biblically and everything else and we have the best but <clears throat> we live in luxury and and we don't really give like we should unfortunately and, and the bible has prophesied that, that would occur uh in proverbs chapter 30 proverbs chapter 30 there's a prophecy there is some prophecy in the proverbs and it says right here, Proverbs 30, verse 14, There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives, to devour the poor from off the face of the earth, and the needy from among men. I challenge you, for those who think poverty is not a big deal, uh, why don't you look at every scripture where it um, talks about poverty and justice and, and rip it out? Matter of fact, one individual did that, and he discovered that the whole <laughs> it was not that much left of a Bible. Uh, when you, because there's so many scriptures that address the injustice of this world, the oppression of this world, and and poverty, and God hates it, and He's going to end it. That's one of the reasons why He's coming back, ladies and gentlemen, to end the injustice and the oppression and the poverty. Many people think poverty, in most cases, is caused by laziness. That's not true. If you if you do a Bible study on it, as I have, poverty is caused by oppression and injustice primarily. Sure, it can be caused also by laziness, but uh, there's so many other scriptures that, that talks about the oppression and the injustice of, of people. And there's even one uh, psalm that talks about how um, the rich really... They persecute the poor. Here it is right here. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. Why standest thou far off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride does persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire and, and blesses the covetous, whom the Lord abhorreth. He, he, he hates their behavior. Verse 4. The wicked the pride of his countenance or face will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Verse 5 of, uh, not Proverbs, Psalms. Psalms chapter 10, verse 5. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. Verse 8, he sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places does he murder the innocent. 
His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He does catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. Now in verse 12, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thy hand. Forget not the humble. Verse 13, Wherefore does the wicked contend God? He has said in his heart, Thou wilt not require. Thou hast seen, for thou beholdest mischief and spite to, to uh, requite with thy hand. The poor commits himself unto thee. Thou art the helper of the fatherless. Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil. Man seek out his wickedness till thou find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his land. Let me read this in the, uh, sometime the King James Version can be quite challenging reading. 1965 Bible and Basic English Version, verse 16, uh, Psalm 10, verse 16. Let, the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations are gone from his land. Lord, you have given ear to the prayer of the poor. You will make strong their hearts. You will give them a hearing. To give decision for the child without a father and for the brokenhearted, so that the man of the earth may no longer be feared. So that's a good psalm to study about how God feels about rich folks who he's, in this context, he's calling the wicked. Now, not every rich person is wicked, ladies and gentlemen, but you know, in Matthew chapter 19, uh, Yeshua plainly stated that it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, although he did say later on, in that context of Scripture, that uh, with man, this is impossible. With God, all is possible. So it's even possible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But this is how a rich man, ladies and gentlemen, one of the ways anyway, a rich man can enter the kingdom of God. In First Timothy chapter 6, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And the easy to read, well, actually, it's, it is easy to read, but it's a 1965 Bible and basic English version. It says, give orders to those who have money and goods in this life, not to be lifted up in their minds or to put their hope in the uncertain chances of wealth, but in God who gives us in full measure all things for our use. In verse 18, and to do good, having wealth and good works, being quick to give, taking part with one another making ready for themselves a safe place for the time to come so that the true life may be theirs. So that's a commandment specifically to rich folks that have a lot of possessions. Share it. Be willing to distribute. Care about people. Don't be stingy. Being stingy, of course, means that you can give, but you only give a little of what you really can give. And that's being stingy, and that's one of the greatest sins ever in the history of the world to be that way. So... Ladies and gentlemen, this, this program is about keeping the instructions of God. The instructions of God is, is the entire Bible. Uh, our Lord and Savior stated plainly in Matthew 4, verse 4, man must not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. All the words in the Bible proceed from the mouth of God. God inspired all the men of the Bible to write to write the, all the books and all the words. And it's inspired, and is, is something that we need to take serious, ladies and gentlemen. And we need to understand that God has given us His instruction book on how we should live and how we should treat Him and and everyone else. And this is what people should be doing, and they're not doing this. A lot of people, not only in the United States but around the world, uh, they should be training their children in the Word of God as soon as their child can read. And they should be actually reading to them very early. Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse fifteen, and that from the time when you were a child, you have had knowledge of the holy writings, which are able to make you wise to salvation. And we're talking, we're going to talk about salvation today. Uh, the the salvation that Yeshua really died for. Uh, we're going to talk about that today. But the scriptures have something to do with that which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith or trust in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, for every holy writing which comes from God is a prophet for teaching, for training, for guiding, for education and righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, 
trained and made ready for every good work. That's why we study the Bible every day or should be studying it every day, so that we can be trained and made ready for every good work, so we can understand how to give to people. That's what life is about here, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about ourselves, I, and, 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 and my loved ones. You know, it's about everyone else. James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. Verse 27, the word religion in the original Greek means worship. So, and I like to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version because it really hits on the nose what this is really talking about. James 1, verse 26, in the complete Jewish Bible version, anyone who thinks he is religiously observant, again, this means worshiping, but does not control his tongue is deceiving himself, and his observance counts for nothing. Now, in verse 27, the religious observance or worship that God the Father considers pure and faultless is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, to care for the poor and to keep oneself from being contaminated by the world. Uh, you know, in my walk of, of keeping the instructions of God for almost 30 years now, what I see is people understand the last part of this verse, to keep oneself from being contaminated by the world to the to the point of being too extreme, I mean, being extreme about it, uh, focusing too much on tallits and wearing your beard right or head coverings and and uh, mezuzahs and all that is great, you know. But 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 what God wants you to really focus on is really helping the poor, helping the distressed, helping those who are oppressed. That's what He wants you to really focus on. All that stuff that I mentioned to you is fine if it encourages you to care about other people, to care about other people. Uh, in Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, he says, Woe to you, hypocritical Torah teachers in Perushim, or uh, Pharisees, that's the uh, Hebrew for Pharisees, in the complete Jewish Bible version. You pay your tithes of mint, dill, and cumin. Back then, that's to how they tithed. You know, they tithed... Uh, uh, by tithing of the mint and the dill and the common. Uh, today we don't live the kind of society they live in today. We, we don't barter. We don't, um, we're don't. we not farmers, but that doesn't mean that tithing has been done away with, as I'm going to show you here in a minute. But you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. The weightier matters of the law is discussed in James 1, verse 27, when it talks about helping the widows and, and the fatherless. Okay? Justice, mercy, which is compassion to the poor. Trust, faith. These are the things you should have attended to without neglecting the others. Now, without neglecting the others. So you should tithe, but don't forget about helping the poor. Matter of fact, when you tithe, it is helping the poor because you help the, the Levites and ministers who are true ministers. That is not someone that, that has a lot of money. And then uh, they're grouped along with the, the stranger, the fatherless, the widows, and the orphans. And those, who you, who, uh, those, are, those are the people that you, you tithe to. And tithe, what does tithe mean? My, my sir, it means 10% of your uh, income, uh, net income. Today, because uh, when people receive their paychecks, they don't receive the gross amount, they receive the net amount. So you tithe from that. And if you can't do that, then you do the best you can until you are able to do it and get out of debt. Anyway, these are the things you should have attended to without neglecting the others. Without neglecting the others. Okay, and the Bible talks a lot about justice and mercy all throughout the scriptures, and, and of course, faith or trust is, is translated faith in the King James Version. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's understand what pure worship is about. It's about that. That's about that first. All those other things, wearing the, the tallit, the head coverings, all that, that should help you remember to help the poor and the fatherless and the oppressed. Okay, that's that's what it should drive you to do. God is all about helping people. That's what he's about. He's not about um he's not about uh wanting you to just keep the commandments just cuz you're keeping them, you know. <laughs> he what the keeping the commandments should should help you to understand that you should care about other people. That's why keeping the commandments is defined, 
a simple definition. It's in Second John chapter 1, verse 6. Moreover, love is this, that we should live according to his commands. That's what love is all about, ladies and gentlemen. If you ever wondered what love is, that's what love is. It's keeping the commandments. If you keep the commandments, then you love. And if you don't keep the commandments, you don't love. So, in John 15, verse 14, if you want to be a friend of Messiah, he says the following, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So, <laughs> so we we have to obey. We have to obey, ladies and gentlemen. In John 14, verse 15, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. And remember, I read John chapter 12, because people say, wait a minute, Yeshua said that... Uh, uh, keep his commandments, so he had different commandments than the Father. No, he did not. All of his words came from the Father. So, in effect, he's just he's the spokesman. Many people think that Moses was the spokesman of God. Yes, he was his human spokesman, but his overall spokesman from the beginning has been the Word of God. The Word of God is more powerful than Moses. The Word of God is part of the essence of God. He is God because of that. He's the Word of God. So he's the ultimate spokesman. Moses is, is certainly beneath the Messiah. Let's understand that. And the Messiah spoke to Moses. And that's not a Bible study. But anyway, let's understand those things. And so this program is for those who understand the entire Bible is the instructions of God. And the Sabbath has not been done away with. The, the holy days have not been done away with. None of that has been done away with, ladies and gentlemen. If you believe that, then you need to listen to someone else, because I'm not going to preach that. That's that's a lie, and I don't preach lies. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, he states this plainly. Actually, let me read from verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. So why would he tell... <laughs> Just think a minute here. Why would John say that we shouldn't sin if it was capable if it was not capable, if we, if, we, if we didn't have the capability through God's help, through the Holy Spirit, not to sin, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? Let's just use a little common sense here. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua Messiah, the righteous. Verse 2, and he is a propitiation or covering for our sins, and not for ours only. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Not for ours only, not for Israel only, not for believers only, but also for the sins of the whole world. John 3, verse 16 plainly states that he died for the entire world. Okay? Verse 3, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Keeping his commandments, there's, there's great benefits of keeping his commandments, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to talk about that today. Verse 4, He that says, I know him, and keep not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. What is truth? Truth is found in Psalm 119, verse 142. Truth is the entire instructions of Yah, which the New Testament also is a part of those instructions, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 5, But whosoever keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. So if you keep the word, the love of God, which is what? Keeping the commandments is perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. And verse 6 is the key verse. He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. And it's talking about the word of God walking on this earth. We should do everything that he did to the best of our abilities. He, while he walked on the earth, kept his father's commandments. And we should do the same thing. Part of those commandments, of course, is keeping the Shabbat and the holy days. And he did that. And so you should do that as well. John 15, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. His commandments were the Father's commandments. <laughs> Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, there's no difference between the two. And when he says his commandments, the things that his fathers directly told him to tell his disciples. It's all the Father's commandments anyway. Because he stated that he didn't say anything his father, uh, that his father didn't tell him uh, to say. Okay? 
All right, so let's understand that. And let's check out some world news here. And I'm going to talk about the salvation of our souls. So we, we need to be concerned about saving our souls, our lives, ladies and gentlemen, because it's serious. This is a serious thing. God is certainly not playing around, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to show you. He wants everyone, he He desires everyone to, to have eternal life. None of us have eternal life, ladies and gentlemen. We have to do something, okay? And what we have to do is believe him. And how do we show that we believe him? I'm going to show you today by keeping his commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. We have to prove to God that we love him. And how we do that is by keeping the commandments. Sure, I'm sure you know this, that keeping the commandments is not going to gain us eternal life, salvation. That has already been bought and paid for. However, what keeping the commandments do is prove to God that we actually do believe him and trust him and love him. And he's not going to allow anybody to be in his kingdom that doesn't love him or believe him, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Let's go and find out what's going on in the world right now. I think Syria is acting up again from what I heard. Uh, yes, right here, um, www.watch.org. World Watch Daily, Koenig, International News. Assad plans to open resistance front in Golan, says report. says, according to Lebanese Daily, Syrian president believes focusing on Israel would unify his people. According to Lebanese report on Friday in battle, Syrian president Bashar Assad plans to open a resistance front on the Golan Heights and thinks such a move could unify the various factions in Syria. Assad possesses a detailed plan for the establishment of such a front, reported to Beirut. Base Al Akpur daily, which would in practice be similar to the terrorist group Hezbollah's activities in southern Lebanon. Um, Syrian society's involvement in the resistance against Israel, according to the statements attributed to Assad and, and allegedly made to recent visitors at his presidential palace in Damascus, would unite the home front. And remember Isaiah chapter, 17, uh, Isaiah chapter 17, it says that Damascus would no longer be a city. Now, that's happened somewhat in the past, but prophecy tends to repeat itself so we need to pay attention to see how that prophecy will be fulfilled anyway white house chemical arms used in syria u.s to arm rebels so chemical weapons were used in syria they they, they uh verified that russia hits back at u.s over syria u.s studying syria no-fly zone near jordan border all right looks like something may happen here it may, so we need to, to pay attention here. Yaalan, Kerry, peace move has failed so far. Arab League initiative is spent. So we're still having issues with uh, the Middle East. Oh, here's another one here. Um, as in the days of Noah and Lot, LGBT pride at the White House. Every year since taking office, President Obama has invited members and allies of the LGBT community lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans, transsexual community to celebrate Pride Month at the White House. Thursday, the president hosted the event for the fifth time to bring together national leaders, elected officials, faith leaders, members of the military and veterans community, and local advocates and organizers to reflect upon the progress we've made and recommit to the work that lies ahead sad, ladies and gentlemen, but that tells us we just don't have that much time left when our leadership, and the Bible prophesied about our leadership, about how we're just so blind and we just don't know what we're doing. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 1, it says right here in verse 2, in the King James Version, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. So this message is for the entire world. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Verse 3, the ox knows his owner, and he has his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people don't consider Israel even know who they are. 
And who is Israel today, ladies and gentlemen? Israel consists of today geographically of the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, including Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Of course, anyone that embraces and realizes that Yeshua or Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ is also part of the Commonwealth of Israel, according to the Scriptures. In verse 4, all sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger, they have gone away backward. Verse 5, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more, the whole head, and this can be interpreted as our government today is certainly sick to embrace homosexuality. And the whole heart faints. Verse 6, from the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment, which means that uh, essential oils have a lot to do with helping you heal. Another Bible study. Actually, I did that Bible study. Find it in the archives somewhere. Verse 7, your country is desolate. And that's what this is leading to, ladies and gentlemen. Our country being desolate and our cities being burned with fire. Your land, strangers devoured in your presence and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Verse 9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. In verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the Torah instructions of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. That's what he calls us today. That's what he calls us today. Our leaders are all mixed up in this mess. This is what they need to do. This is what most people in this country need to do. Verse 16, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fathers. Plead for the widow. What are the weightier matters of the law? Just, justice, mercy, and faith. This is what this is describing here. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. What is pure worship? Relieving the widows and the fatherless and keeping yourself unspotted from the world. Verse 18. Come now. In other words, don't let the, the, the wickedness of the world contaminate your life. Verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Verse 20, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, or war, or violence. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it, has spoken it. Isaiah chapter 3. Verse 9, the show of their face does witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. The president is not hiding it. He's exposing it and being prideful about it and encouraging everybody else to say, hey, gay is okay. Well, what does God say? Does anyone care about how God feels about it? Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Verse 10, say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. That's what fruit is all about. It's about behavior, not about how much money you have in your bank accounts, as some religions twist that scripture to their destruction. Uh, when it says uh, you should know them by their fruits, it's not talking about financial fruit. It's talking about your behavior, what you do. Again, in verse 10, Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Fruit has something to do with behavior and what you do. Verse 11, Woe unto the wicked. It shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hand shall be given unto him. So this is sad, and then we get to verse 12, a society has just been totally destroyed here in this country. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. We have women want to break the glass ceiling. Instead of cleaning and taking care of it, they want to break it. 
this is ridiculous. And, and, and God says to these women and the children who are oppressors, Oh, my people, they that which lead thee, which are the women of the oppressors, um, cause thee to err and destroy the way of your paths. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to to pay attention to what's going on in our country. I'm just a voice, one voice, and God can do mighty things with one voice. But I just wish that other people would join the bandwagon here and, and, and start preaching out of the Bible what God reveals here and warn this nation. We're, we are really, we're in trouble, folks. We are in some serious trouble. And I must speak out. I must. If no one else does it, I have to do it. I have to do it. I have to speak out because uh, for us to embrace homosexuality like this is it, just dangerous. It really is. And I'm spending some time on this because it, this is just totally ridiculous. Uh, I have to. The Bible commands me and any other Torah teacher, cry aloud, spare not, lift up their voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions. And the house of Jacob, which is the twelve tribes of Israel, which again consists of the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, including Canada, the countries of Northwestern Europe, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, Geographically, that's where most of us are located. Israel, the house of Jacob. Isaiah 58, verse 2, of course, it includes the Jews in, in, in the Middle East. If you, if you don't understand that Israel consists of 12 tribes, look at Genesis chapter 49. And go to this website, www.beasinboyritam.org. www.beasinboyritam.org. And be enlightened and informed. Isaiah 58, verse 2. Yet they seek me daily, and we do in this country. There are some people that are sincere, and they're trying to seek God, and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness. What is righteousness? Psalm 119, verse 172. is keeping the commandments. You can't run away from the commandments and expect to have salvation, folks. It's not going to happen. And forsook not the ordinance of their God. And that's what we do in this country, most of us. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. So, you know, we're, we're, we, want, we want righteousness, but we want to do what Paul stated here in Romans chapter 10. We want to do it. What is that song by Frank Sinatra? We want to do it my way. We want to do it my way. We want to do it. See, so... <laughs> I think that's how it sounds. I don't know. But Frank Sinatra wrote a song like that. I want to do it my way. All right. And Romans 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Verse 3. They want to do it their way. They want to do it their way. Anyway. Romans 10, verse 3. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, they want to do it their way. They want to do it their way. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, <laughs> and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Okay? And what is the righteousness of God is, again, Psalm 119, verse 172, keeping the commandments. For Christ is the end of the law. That word end should be translated goal of the law. He's the goal for righteousness to everyone that believes. And then verse 5 of Romans 10, for Moses described the righteousness which is of the instructions of God, that the man which does these things shall live by them. So we should live by the commandments, ladies and gentlemen, instead of doing it. My way. You can't do it your way. You have to do it God's way. Okay? And that and that's what we have to remember to do. All right? So your way has to to be in line with God's way or to God is no way. <laughs> There's no way but my way. 
So let me take a look at any um, national news here real quickly. And what I do is go to one of my favorite websites here, the Economic Collapse. It's a blog, one of the best ones out there. Uh, The Economic Collapse. Are you prepared for the coming economic collapse in the great the next great depression? And it's the economic collapse blog dot com. Alright, it says right here thousands of companies have been handing over your personal data to the NSA. Uh it says is Obama starting a war with Syria just to distract us from all the scandals? Possibly. Member of Congress, Edward Snowden's revelations are just the tip of the iceberg. Okay. All right, this is uh, some security about the Internet and taking personal information and all that. You can read that. So, But I think the biggest news that I've read to you, not just nationally but worldwide, is his acceptance of gay stuff again, which and if you can look at Luke chapter 17, one of the signs of his coming is... Um, an escalation of homosexuality. And Luke chapter 17 says this right here. Luke chapter 17. Verse 28. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Verse 30. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So he's telling you that... uh, Near the time that he's coming back, we will have an escalation of homosexuality because obviously that's what, if you read Genesis chapter 19, that's what caused the other destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the homosexual act. That's what uh, that's what led to him to say, okay, that's it. We've got to destroy this city. This is the last straw. And so homosexuality is a gauge, really, that Yah uses to... to um, help him determine when it's time to just destroy things and to let people know that he exists and that he wants to be obeyed. It's one of the gauges that he uses, one of the main gauges. All right, salvation of our souls, ladies and gentlemen. Let's let's understand, first of all, what a soul is. Uh, let's turn to First Thessalonians, I think. Let me see. Yeah, let me find this. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. First Thessalonians five verse twenty three. Now, now what I, I've gone, I, I did a Bible study on this. Uh, what happens to us after we die, and then what is heaven and hell? So I encourage you to listen to those two programs. I think those two programs combined is close to four hours. But it may be the, probably one of the most important Bible studies you ever listen to because I really go into detail about what happens after you die, based on what the scriptures state, and then with some outside sources that back up the scriptures state. And and then um, I'll go over the issue of heaven and hell. But in this scripture, it's a foundational scripture to understand what a human being is, what a, what a human being consists of. In First Thessalonians chapter five verse twenty three, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit and soul, so the spirit and soul are synonymous together, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit is uh, your essence, and your soul is your life. But without your spirit, you don't have life. And body, be preserved. So you, you have a spirit and soul and bodies. Or you, the soul and the spirit are synonymous. So you have a spirit and, a, and you have a spirit in your body. And then, as I've explained in those Bible studies I told you about, when, you're, when the spirit is separated from the body, that's when you are dead. But the spirit has life. The body doesn't. Okay. So, the salvation of our souls. Uh, salvation can mean deliverance physically and also can mean deliverance from eternal death, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what people, uh, some people in this Torah walk don't seem to understand. That if we don't obey God, if we don't obey God, He will utterly destroy us, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, that, that's that's in the scriptures, and I'm going to quote a scripture here. Uh, a scripture that can't be uh, argued with, or <laughs> you just have to believe what it says, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, the Bible is pretty plain about that. And I'm not going to preach any different. 
uh, because it's there. It's there for anyone to see. Um, there's a scripture that indicates that, um, and let me look up the word destruction here. I know it's in First Thessalonians somewhere. There we go. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians one verse nine. Second Thessalonians one verse nine states the following. Who? Well, let me uh, the context here. It says, verse seven. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, talking about his second coming. Verse eight. And flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Obeying the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ has everything to do with obeying the commandments, folks, because the commandments are certainly a part of the good news. Verse 9, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction? Everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Okay. So, your soul is your life, your essence, your spirit. And in First Peter, First Peter, how much time I have left here? Thirteen minutes. All right. First Peter, chapter one, verse nine. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of us. Now, this is really. <laughs> Because faith has works, in James chapter 2 it proves that. It says, receiving the end of your, what is the end of our trust in God? The salvation of our souls. So that tells you that that keeping the commandments, ladies and gentlemen, having works has something to do with salvation. We don't earn it. But God is not going to allow anyone to enter his kingdom without obeying him. That's how you prove that you believe him. All right? And verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. All right, so that's very important to understand in Romans 6, verse 22. Romans 6, verse 22. Romans 6, verse 22 states the following. It says, but now being made free from sin, that's what the liberty that we want to have, we should, the liberty of the law is, freedom from sin. What does sin cause? Curses and destruction. So that's the kind of liberty that we want. Being now made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness. And in the end, in the end, everlasting life. Because none of us have everlasting life. We are mortal and we die. Someone blows my brains out here while I'm speaking to you. I will die. Okay? So none of us have everlasting life yet. And in verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So none of us can earn it as a gift, but to get that gift, we have to believe him. Plain and simple as that. If we don't believe him by showing, proving it through our works, we're not going to have eternal life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. These all died in the faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. And what's the promise? The promise of eternal life. That's what it is. James 1, verse 21. James 1, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and uh, superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. You know, this is this is a very, very distinctive scripture here. Let me read this in complete Jewish Bible version. This is a very important scripture, matter of fact. So rid yourselves of all vulgarity and obvious evil and receive meekly the word implanted in you that can save your lives. So he's saying that even Yeshua stated in John chapter 6 that the words that he speaks is life. And if we don't eat these words, eat figuratively, meaning study and inculcate these words into your being, then you're not going to save your lives according to what it says here. So rid yourselves of all your vulgarity and obvious evil and receive meekly the word and plant it in you that can save your lives. Don't deceive yourselves by only hearing what the word says, but do it. Do it. 
That's what it's telling us. We got to do something. Anyway, Romans 2, verse 7. Romans 2, verse 7. says right here, to those who seek glory, honor, and immortality by perseverance and doing good, he will pay back eternal life. So eternal life has something to do with immortality, ladies and gentlemen. Eternal life is immortality, and none of us have it. Only one, two beings have it. The, the Father and the Son have immortality. That's it. No one else has immortality. Immortality means your body, your body is incorruptible. The Father has an incorruptible body, and the Son has an incorruptible body. Yeshua stated that his Father had form. Okay, uh, let me prove that to you. Uh, many people think that God doesn't have a body. Yes, he does. <laughs> he does have a body. Let me prove it to you. It's in John here. I can find it here. Here we go. John chapter 5, verse 37. And the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice any time, nor seen his shape. So he has a shape. He has a form. He has a body. And then in Revelation chapter 4, it states that he has a hand because he had the book with the seals on it. And it said uh, it was it was in his hand. So he has a body, ladies and gentlemen. We're made in his image. Okay. The Father has a body. And remember, the Son is like the Father. <laughs> let's understand that. So let's get to John 3, verse 16. I was going to look at I'm trying to find a scripture here about the promise here. Let's see if I can find it here. Yeah, in 1 John 2, verse 25, so for those who want a biblical definition of what the promise is. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life, okay? And none of the, in Hebrews chapter 11, none of the patriarchs and none of the great people that was described in there has received eternal life. Eternal life is immortality, folks. That's what eternal life is. None of them received the promise. And in 1 John 2, verse 25, is a definition, a Bible definition of the promise, and it is eternal life. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. And the word even was added by the King James Version. Just say, It should just say eternal life. 1 John 2, verse 25. Actually, in the complete Jewish Bible version, says, and this is what he has promised us, eternal life. Okay, so now with those facts, let's understand something here. I'm going to quote a simple scripture, and I hope you understand it. It's pretty plain here. Because I know some in the Messianics, they say, well, that's not the reason why he came, or that's not the only reason, and it's true. He didn't come just to die for the whole world, ladies and gentlemen. But that is the ultimate reason why he came, folks. Sure, he came to... to um, spark or initiate or enhance the recruiting of a bride to marry. We understand that. Uh, when you go deeper, uh, the image of Yeshua being our husband and we being his wife spiritually. Yes, he came for that as well. But ultimately, he came to save humanity. And that is the truth. And nothing but the truth. So help me, Yah. And in John 3, verse 16, and see the Torah portion uh, today is about this. And verse 13 of John 3, verse 13, uh, for those people who claim that they've gone to heaven, well, John 3, verse 13, I'm talking about in bodily form. People have gone to heaven in their spirit, but not certainly not with their bodies. John 3, verse 13, this is what this is talking about. No one has gone up into heaven there's only the one who has come down from heaven in a bodily, with your, uh, the spirit in the body. He has. He's done that. 
And of course, angels have done it too. John three verse fourteen: Just as Moses or Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And when you read that Torah portion, the people were getting bit by the serpent, and for them to be able to live, they had to look at Moses when he was holding up the serpent to be able to survive. And that's symbolic because that's what the Son of Man represents. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? Verse 15, just like when people survived when they looked at uh, the serpent, so that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life. And what is trust? What is that? That it must have works. That's what James chapter 2 explains. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only and unique Son, uh, or, or the King James says, begotten son, so that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life instead of being utterly destroyed. And I just read to you that for those who know what they're doing and they intentionally sin, knowing what they're doing, they are going to be utterly destroyed, according to the Scripture. Verse 17, For God did not send the Son of Man into the world to judge the world, but rather so that through him the world may be saved. Okay? So that that's that's the reason why he came to save this planet, folks. Those who trust in him are not judged. Those who do not trust have been judged already, and that they have not trusted in the one who is God's only and unique son. Okay? And even he even said himself that he came to save the world, folks. Okay? He is our true Superman. Okay? He is Superman. <laughs> So let's understand that. I know that movie's playing and all that, and people spending their money and all that for that. But in John 12, verse 47, And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He came to save the world. He's going to be coming again. He came to save the world first, spiritually, to give us eternal life. He's going to physically save the world soon because in, in Matthew chapter 24 it states the following. Matthew chapter 24. For then shall be great tribulation, Matthew 24 verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation and such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time nor ever shall be. Verse 22, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be Saved. In other words, all of humanity will be destroyed. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So he came to save the world in two ways, to save humanity spiritually so humanity can have an opportunity for eternal life to um, take the death penalty that we all deserve, eternal death penalty that we all deserve. Second of all, he's going to be coming again to save this earth from destruction physically. Because what does it say? If he did not come, there would no flesh be saved. All humanity would be destroyed, and the planet would be destroyed. So let's understand that. He is truly our Savior, spiritually and physically. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the program is about 1 minute and 24, 23 seconds in counting. <laughs> I hope you understand the salvation of your souls, ladies and gentlemen, that we have to obey the words of God so that we can enter the kingdom of God. None of us has earned salvation. Yeshua has earned salvation for us. However, what we have to earn is God's trust in us. He has to know that He that we love him. And how do we prove that we love him? By keeping the commandments. That's what the belief is all about. Study James chapter 2. So with that, may Elohim bless you and keep you. And God willing, I'll be available to speak to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. 
But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 